Robots Radio presents... Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. We are back with another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. We are bringing back our bad movie bonus that we've been doing lately. Brad, I have had such a good time recording these episodes because for each one of these bad movies that we're reviewing, we also host a watch party on the cast app beforehand. And we've had some of our listeners show up to watch these movies with us. And Brad, I think this week's entry is by far the best entry into this entire series so far. Oh, hands down, Bob. And it's interesting to me that we have moved from a terrible movie that was extremely high budget with cats to a terrible movie that was still like Hollywood production type film with Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. And now we have descended into the realm of the trash film. And yet, with the lowest budget of all... I'm pretty positive Velocipaster is my favorite movie that I've possibly ever seen. Yeah, so we're reviewing a movie today called The Velocipaster from 2018. And it is one of those films that it's not just that it's a so bad, it's good film. It's one of those movies that is purposely bad. But I feel like when a lot of these movies try to be purposely bad, it's not funny. But the fact that it actually does look like it was produced for $5 and they were all going for a purposely awful film. It's like the heavens parted, and it feels so authentic. And every single thing that happened in this movie had me absolutely rolling on the floor. Like, it's it's hilarious. And pound for pound, it might be one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen. Well, and the beautiful thing about a movie like this is that it's not a movie you watch by yourself, right? And so that's why we do these things with our, you know, with our listeners on cast, and the, the best part about it is we get to welcome in today uh, a very special friend of show, Bourboneering. Um, Austin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing a lot better after watching that movie, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's truly a thing of beauty, is it not? Oh, it, it, was, it, it wasn't quite Paul Blart Mall Cop good, but it was pretty good. I feel like some of these movies, you have to drink to get through them. And this movie was like... I don't feel that way at all. I, I am thoroughly entertained by what we just saw. Yeah, Bob, going into this, you you had read that they made this movie purposefully to be bad, right? And you were asking me, like, Brad, like, is this actually going to be funny or good? Like, And I was like, Bob, just shut your brain off. Watch the movie. It's absolutely hilarious. And, and was I was I right or was I wrong? Oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> So, guys, as we get into talking about this movie, uh, Brad and I are going to be sipping on a whiskey called California Cowboy Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This was sent to us by the company. We are super excited to get into talking about this craft distillery. So as we sip on this 88 proof bourbon, before we get anywhere, Brad, I need you to give our listeners a very quick Brad Explains about what the F we just saw in the movie The Velocipaster. (laughs) Oh, man. So (laughs) I don't even want to use the word film. Um, (laughs) This uh, video that we just watched called the Velocipaster is about a uh, young priest named Doug whose parents die in a car bombing and he travels to China to get his mind off things. And he grabs this fang that was given to him by a dead woman. And this fang turns him into a velociraptor. Whenever he gets like real angry, it's kind of like a Hulk situation and he comes back into town and he becomes like a, you know, crime fighting partner 
with a uh, young girl who, uh, I shouldn't say young, that sounds creepy, uh, with a girl, a woman, who is a hooker slash pre-med slash law student, and they they fight crime and they kill bad guys, uh, and all sorts of stuff happens. You know, they try to exercise him of this velociraptor soul thing that's inside of him, and there's ninjas that are Christians who are trying to sell cocaine. And like it's it's really intense, guys. This movie is insane. And typically what we've been doing with our bad movie bonuses is there's been a couple categories that we've done. The first one is worst performance. The second one has been worst moment or scene. Here's the thing, though, Brad. I don't think that those categories apply to this movie. I don't think there is a worst performance. I don't think there is a worst scene because everything in this movie is a 10 out of 10. This is a perfect film and I cannot talk crap about it. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, we need to just give awards called favorite of all the perfect scenes. Yeah, absolutely. So the cast in this movie is is not super large when it comes to the speaking roles. I mean, you've got the priest, uh, Doug Jones. You've got his crime fighting hooker girlfriend, Carol. Uh, you have a uh, some sort of an exorcist named Altair. And then there's a, there's a couple other priests and stuff like that in the movie. Yeah, Father Stewart, man. Father Stewart. And then you have Carol's pimp, Frankie Mermaid, who might be... Frankie. If I had to give a, a vote for best performance in the whole movie, it would be this man, Frankie Mermaid, who dresses like someone would dress as a pimp for Halloween in 1976. Like it is, it is a perfect costume. It is a perfect character. At one point, Frankie Mermaid goes to confession and he says that he stole candy from a baby and then he threw the baby in the river because he didn't want the (laughs) baby to snitch on him. That's the kind of movie we're watching. (laughs) Yeah, guys, if you've ever listened to the podcast, you know that every once in a while, Bob will talk about an actor just chewing up scenery. In order to properly understand what that means, you need to watch Velocipaster and you need to do like a masterclass study on Frankie Mermaid. I think at one point they actually chewed up scenery. (laughs) (laughs) I think think so. So the the big climactic battle of this film is Doug Jones, the Velocipaster, having fully transformed into a Velociraptor. And they have been hinting at what this costume is going to look like for the entire movie. And it turns out that it kind of looks like those big inflatable T-Rex costumes, except even cheaper yep. somehow. <laughs> it's a hunchback They show him in all his glory. And it is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but before we get to talking about the end of the film, Austin, I got to throw to you for a minute. You know, we've been talking about collaborating on an episode for months and months now. And being the great guys that we are. We said, we're not going to bring you on for Saving Private Ryan. We're not going to bring you on for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. We're going to wait until the greatest film of all time, The Velocipaster. So first of all, welcome to Film and Whiskey, where you get to talk about this glorious piece of cinema. But I have to ask you, man, if you had to single out one performance that you enjoyed more than anything else in this movie, who would it be? Man, I'd have to go with uh, was it Father Stewart. The the older mm. uh the older priest. Oh yeah. Man, this guy, he was he was stone cold sober. He watched his girlfriend blow up in front of him. <laughs> he watched this <laughs> velo- this Velociraptor tear up his church and he was just right to business. The best thing yeah, about man. him is that there's a there's a Vietnam flashback for no reason where we find out this secondary character's backstory. 
And he's still like a 58 year old man with this blonde wig peeking out from under <laughs> his, his helmet. And he watches a bunch of his friends die in the war. And while he's like resting on a bench or something after the big battle in Vietnam, apparently his fiance just shows up like, Hey, it's me. And as she runs <laughs> in, toward him in Vietnam, in Vietnam, in Vietnam, and as she runs toward him across this Vietnamese meadow, she steps on a landmine and is just instantly liquefied. <laughs> and he's just covered in her innards. It is, it is the craziest movie I've ever seen. Well, Bob, you're you're forgetting the uh, the ten out of ten script that goes along with that that amazing cinematography in that screen. Because right after she's liquefied, Father Stewart is standing there looking appropriately horrified, and his war buddies look at her and say, "Man, I wonder what she was doing in the forest. Probably trying to start a family." <laughs> and then the other guy goes. I don't think we can do anything for her. She's too far gone. Well, this is the thing that I love about this movie is that you can tell that this is all being done on purpose to be bad, and it still works so well. Like, I've seen movies like this before. There was one in the early 2000s called Kung Pao, which was uh, a comedian who got hold of some old you know, martial arts movies and then kind of CGI'd his own face into them and made a really stupid, silly movie about it. And it's a funny movie, but it's nowhere near as funny as this movie. Like there's something about the the amateurish level of the acting, uh, some of the actors, at least, and the the low production budget and the ridiculous lines they have to say that it's like everything totally works. Yeah, I I feel like this movie was filmed as like a 11th grade English class assignment. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that's about the production level quality that we're looking at. But there, for some reason, it just absolutely works. And it's it's literally one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life. So, Austin, you came to the watch party tonight. Did you know anything about this movie coming in? Not even a little bit. The only thing I knew was the picture you posted on Instagram with a a priest. There were ninjas. There was a velociraptor. I don't. I don't know what I expected. I expected something like Sharknado, but this was so much better yet so much worse. Yeah, the thing is, like in in the poster that we posted on Instagram, there's like a professional looking CGI raptor, which wouldn't look good in a real movie, but was still like serviceable. You know, like if your buddy made it on a computer, like with a 3D, you know, and you'd be like, oh, man, that's a really good looking raptor. No, no, that's not what's in this movie. We have this weird cloth. It looks like a paper mache <laughs> velociraptor. It is so wonderful. Like, it looks like something you might put on your child, like to to dress them up for Halloween. <laughs> Although it looks like they'd never also be able to get out of that. Like once oh, you're in that costume, not. that's where you live now. <laughs> that's probably why it's only one scene (laughs) that's true so austin i gotta ask we've talked about favorite performances already mine goes to frankie what's his name frankie mermaid frankie mermaid i almost said frankie valentine i don't know what i'm thinking (laughs) do you want to know why they call him frankie mermaid no no i don't no i do not then you should probably watch the movie (laughs) so we're moving on to best moment or best scene i want to hear from austin what part of this movie made you laugh out loud the hardest that's tough. There was there was a lot of what what made it the best movie ever is every scene was just outrageous. There wasn't a lull in the action. I guess I guess I'd say my favorite scene 
the one that made me laugh, it started it all, was right after uh, Doug gave his sermon and he walked outside to see his parents. That that has got to be my favorite scene. It's it, it sets the tone. This is like the opening scene of the movie too. Like he gives a sermon in a church that is clearly empty, <laughs> and then walks outside. And as he opens the door, his parents are just there and they're waving to him. And he goes, "Hi, mom and dad." And, and then apparently, the car is supposed to have blown up, but in the movie, there's just a shot of an empty street with the words "VFX burning car." Because they never actually completed that shot. <laughs> I have a question though. I couldn't really get a grip. When was this movie supposed to take place? Was it in the past or was it? I couldn't. It because... takes place in a universe where people become velociraptors, man. Time is irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. Touche. 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 If I had to guess, it's anywhere between 1970 and 2010. So somewhere in that range. Oh. <laughs> All right, Brad, what do you think? What was your favorite scene? Man, honestly, the Father Stewart scene when his girlfriend runs (laughs) and is liquefied by a landmine uh, is really up there. But honestly, the the problem with Frankie Mermaid is that he only really has one kind of extended scene and then he's killed by the Velocipaster. But I absolutely love Frankie Mermaid. He is the funniest character in any movie of all time. He just has this aura about him of like, he like he's like Han Solo with none of the chivalry. Like he's just got that cocksure grit about him and and he just he's a very transfixing type of character that you just can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen. You, you know what I mean, Bob? Totally agree. For me it's every interaction between Carol and Doug because their lines are just hilarious. When he first asks her, "Are you a hooker?" and she responds, "And pre-med law." But people aren't surprised as much by that one. And then, <laughs> and then later on, she says something like, there's not very much demand for a hooker doctor lawyer right now. <laughs> like, what? Let me go on. Let me go on indeed.com and uh, <laughs> type in Dr. Hooker lawyer. <laughs> and then later on, like when they're falling in love, she looks at him very seriously and says, you know, I don't know much about God. And he looks right back at her and says, well, I don't know much about dinosaurs. <laughs> this movie it's everything you could possibly want it is action-packed it is a greater romance than casablanca like you will never have a better time watching a movie than velocipaster and brad i think we should keep the good times rolling because you and i have to start drinking this california cowboy so what do you say we get into it All right, so today we are checking out California Cowboy Whiskey. Now, this is whiskey from a small uh, operation in California that I was not even really aware of until we saw them featured on the Instagram page of one of our close Instagram friends, at Urban Bourbonist, Chris Blattner. So first of all, Chris, thank you so much for being such a good bourbon steward that we found this brand. We reached out to them. They, they were gracious enough to send us a whole fifth of their whiskey. This is a, an 88-proof whiskey. They do source the whiskey from Kentucky. Um, it is unspecified exactly where they get it from. But if you look at their website, Brad, they do have the mash bill of this bourbon broken down on their website. This is an 88-proof whiskey that is 70% corn, 21% rye, and 9% barley. And I have to imagine that that is malted barley because when it's poured out in my glass here, 
Brad, I get a ton of smoke on this, and it really does smell pretty scotchy. It reminds me a lot of the High West campfire that we had on the show. Uh, maybe a more slightly watered down version of that, but it definitely has some scotchy notes going on. Yeah, I you do get a little bit of hint of that kind of nice vanilla. It has a little bit of a, a sweet corn, uh, you know smell on its nose but you're right there's a lot of smoke coming at you and and i actually really like it i'm a, I'm a big fan of scotch and so whenever my american whiskeys can kind of have a little bit of smoke to them i i get pretty excited i really do appreciate that even on their website brad they're pretty transparent about the fact that this is a sourced whiskey and they say that it's aged a minimum of two years which means it's, it's probably on the younger side uh, but we're gonna find out let's take a sip of it brad and see how it tastes yeah let's get to it Ah, that that's really pleasant. Yeah, there's so on the nose of it, you definitely get this uh, smoky malt scent, but there's a lot of fruit to it as well. I get maybe some green apple, and then on the taste, like you said, it's it's pretty pleasant. It does taste almost like a scotch has been blended with a really bright bourbon, and I like that a lot. It's it's got this perfect combination of sort of a campfirey smoke to it with some really subtle notes that you get on a younger bourbon, some fruit, um, some floral notes. It's it's pretty well balanced. And I'm I'm kind of impressed with this, Brad, you know, for being a lower proof whiskey. I think that they're really bringing it in the flavor department here. Yeah, I was going to say the 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 nose on this isn't going to blow you away, but the taste on your on your palate, it it introduces itself quite nicely. Um, I, I like the word bright. Um, it, it's it's a fun little whiskey. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. You know, when we do these bonus episodes, we typically don't go super in depth on the reviews. But Brad, I have to say that I think this stands up to some of these whiskeys that we've tried that are more experimental in nature. And I keep coming back to this High West Campfire, but that was a whiskey that retails for, I don't know what it is, 60, 70, 80 dollars. This thing is nowhere yeah. near that price. You know, even in some of the online shops, it's retailing for about $35 for a fifth. It's coming from a craft distiller. And granted, it is sourced whiskey, but you know, they're bottling it in their facility in California. Um, a portion of the proceeds from every bottle goes towards a, a horse sanctuary in California. So you know that when you buy a bottle of this, it's going at least a, a portion of the proceeds are going to a good cause. Um, Brad, I... I really, really like this. I think the finish on it is even better than the taste is. It's it's very mouthwatering. Uh, you don't get a lot of those those dark, smoky notes on the finish. I think the sort of bright, fruity, and floral notes are what linger on my tongue. I think that they've done a masterful job with whatever it is that's going into this bottle. Yeah, I, I really would agree with you, Bob. It, it's an impressive whiskey. And honestly, you were talking about High West Campfire being about 60 to $70. How about we go back to talk about a movie that probably cost about 60 to $70 to produce? <laughs> That's a good point. Before we get there, I do want to say, uh, Brad, overall, would you recommend this whiskey? Because I would for sure. Oh, definitely. If you can get your hands on some of this stuff, please go out and try it. It is some good, good whiskey. And it's paired with one of the best films I've ever seen. So, Brad, on your suggestion, let's get back to talking about the Velocipaster. All right, so that was California Cowboy. We are back talking about the Velocipaster with our friend Austin from the podcast Bourboneering. 
Austin, I want to just give you a platform for a minute here. You know, we have been friends on Instagram for as long as we've had an Instagram account. We've watched your podcast kind of blow up. Uh, I'm a, not even a little bit. I'm a lot envious of the incredible Instagram pictures that you take uh, and your posts to get so much traction. It's really cool to see you making such a, uh, an impression in the Instagram bourbon community. So I want to give you a minute. Just t tell us about your podcast. Tell us kind of the premise, how you got into it, maybe how you've seen it grow over the last year or two. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So I uh, I started this podcast basically as me t taking notes about whiskeys I'm finding and drinking. Uh, I'm I'm a, a senior in college right now. Um, I graduate in May. But all goes well. I started it as Let's go as a uh, a way to kind of teach others about whiskey that, you know, so without having to spend a lot of money on whiskey, having to buy the fancy bottles, because all the podcasts I listened to uh, before that are all, you know, let's try this George T. Stag and all these fancy whiskeys. So, well, I can't get a hold of that. I want to know about you know, Buffalo Trace and things like that. So it started as a way to give reviews to myself, first of all, and then share with people who want to listen about it. And I like teaching. So I and I'm, I get real into learning about different subjects, especially bourbon and whiskey in general. So I kind of shared knowledge as I learned it. It's short episodes. I try to keep my episodes around you know, 15 to 20 minutes, something with a, a bourbon review or whiskey review, and then just some information about a specific topic. And I have, you know, I'll interview some local distilleries. I try to keep everything local for me. I'm from Louisiana, especially right now. I think it's important to highlight that when you can. And uh, I'm I'm growing from the cheaper whiskeys. I can actually try some, you know, some more expensive ones now. And hopefully, you know, if I find a job and everything, it'll be even better whiskeys along the road. Kind of build a catalog that people can go back to evergreen content, you know, not it doesn't have to be topical necessarily to the day. Well, I'll tell you what, Austin, if you uh, stay away from grad school and having kids, <laughs> you might be able to afford those whiskeys. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> No, I got to say, man, I really love your stuff. And, and I really I do learn a lot, too, because uh, you had an episode just a few weeks ago where you were talking about the difference between barrel proof and full proof and cask strength as uh, language that you might see on a whiskey bottle. And honestly, you know, I've seen 1792 full proof and now um, Weller's doing a full proof. I honestly did not know that there was a difference between full proof and barrel proof until listening to your podcast and kind of finding out that, yeah, this language is kind of tricky sometimes and you have to know what you're getting into. So I have to say, man, keep up the great work because you are educating even people like us who are, you know, involved in whiskey podcast making. And I feel like Brad and I have learned a ton over the last year, but you're still teaching us things that we didn't know. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of that feeling like, I, I don't know about you guys, but when you were like 21 to 25 and you're getting into the bar and you're ordering drinks, there's that sense of like nervousness of like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And if you don't have somebody to come alongside you and kind of teach you how to order a drink and, you know, how to find your favorite drink, that, that go-to order you can have and start to teach you some of the lingo around drinking alcohol, like it can be a little bit scary. And so having podcasts like yours out there that really help you delve into the world of whiskey um, and make you feel more comfortable in that world, man, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like I said, as soon as I learn it, I want to share it because I, I didn't know the difference between like foolproof and barrel proof. And I looked stupid talking to somebody one time and I got corrected about it. So I'm like, I want, I want to help people 
not make that same mistake if they don't have to. Well, guys, as we kind of wind down for the day, first of all, we want to say thank you to Austin for being on the episode with us. We want to say thank you to California Cowboy for sending us this wonderful bottle of whiskey. And the final question that I have for you guys, do you recommend the movie Velocipastor? 10 out of 10, Bob. That's an easy recommendation. Brad, I'm like, no joke. If we were rating this movie as a good movie and not as a bad movie bonus, I would probably still give this movie like an eight and a half out of 10. It is such a well done example of a purposely bad movie. I'm I'm thoroughly impressed by this movie. Yeah, no, it's a movie that because of how hard it tries to be bad. It actually succeeds at it, and and I don't know how they did it, but it's just an impressive example of trash film, and I, I would recommend anybody watching it. Don't watch it by yourself. Make sure you watch it with a good group of people, and please be drinking your favorite adult beverage while you're doing it, but it's 100% worth your time. I would describe this movie how y'all describe some of this uh, swill whiskey you've been doing on the, what is it, springtime of swill? That was your That's last right. little segment. It's you you go into it knowing it's not the fancy movie, but it's balanced all the way through. It's really funny, it has a great finish. Yeah, I'm giving it a ten out of ten. I would definitely recommend it. That's right. That's why we have you on this podcast, Austin. Yep. You get it. <laughs> well, everybody, we are super thankful that you guys joined us for this uh bad movie bonus episode. Austin, it is a blessing and a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, hey, we will be coming back at you next week with our regularly scheduled episodes. But uh, until then, this is the Film and Whiskey Podcast. I'm Brad G. I'm Bob Book, and we'll see you next time. Doing it backwards feels really weird. It does. (laughs) 